Everybody, I'm Mark Reith, and he's Sean O'Reilly. Morning, everybody. And, and uh, can welcome. I say that was really impressive? Uh, yeah, you can. <laughs> I've been training long and hard. World Cup is upon us. How can I not just be constantly screaming? And goal? you have quite the range. It's I appreciate very, that. Yeah. Thank you. I could have gone higher, higher pitch next time, maybe. Lower intonation. Did you watch the World Cup game? Uh, no, I caught the very beginning, Come but on. then I had some work to do. Come so. on, sorry. man. I'm you got to focus on America. I grew up on baseball. That's fair. That's very American. I guess that's No, like, okay. soccer is very much a global sport. True. And, yeah. Yeah, you're more of a baseball guy. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, we've got plenty to get to today. A couple of headlines, a couple of tweets, even a mailbag. But let's start with the headlines and begin with E3. Who won E3? Breaking down the business news from video gaming's big event. For those of you who don't know, E3 stands for the Electronics Entertainment Expo. And I was there. I was in L.A. for the Electronic Entertainment Expo, and it was awesome. You were not nearly as vocal as I, as I was hoping you would be. It was, yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm not going to keep on shouting. I'm already out of breath from that goal. But, uh, no, E3. Man, that was cool. It was so How many fun. people were there? A couple hundred thousand. That's uh, a it's lot a, of people. It's a lot of people. That's a small city. <laughs> it's a three. Well, it's a three-day event, uh, and just people coming in and out all the time. Right. But uh, E3 is a big chance for game developers and console makers to show off their wares for the coming year. E3 really makes or breaks video game companies because you know you get people excited about their games. They're pre-ordering. They're 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 thinking about buying it for the holiday season already. For sure. Uh, so and to, here we are and, only in June. And here we are only in June, and I'm already just. Thinking about games, especially for uh, Christmas, I know what I'm going to put on my list for Santa. Um, but E3, to answer the question from the headline, who won E3? Uh, last year, Microsoft lost horribly. I don't know if you recall, but last year, Microsoft and Sony released their new consoles, the Xbox One for Microsoft, the PS4 for Sony, and Microsoft just shot itself in the foot in a lot of ways when it uh, released and announced the Xbox One at last year's E3. It had a lot of features that gamers didn't like, and so this year, it kind of rolled things back and went back to basics and said, we are all about the games now. We're going to focus on the games. They had a pretty good press conference. Now, refresh my memory. Was E3 last year where the American public got their first glimpse of the next generation consoles? Because if memory serves, they came out last holiday season. Is right. that right? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was not, not necessarily their first glimpse. It was their first hands-on. Okay. Yeah. You, you, they brought them out to the showroom floor. Everybody got to... So could you shot. have predicted at E3 last year that Microsoft... Well, Microsoft, so hot. Right, honestly, yes, uh, just because of the way things went at the very beginning. Uh, people people really did not like what Microsoft was doing. Did they not like the controller? Did they not like the graphics? They didn't like the, the, well, the biggest thing, I the mean, games? at the beginning, well, no, it's a, at the beginning of a new console cycle, you don't know what kind of games are coming out. The developers don't know what kind of games are coming out because they don't know anything about the new consoles. That's why we're starting to see a lot of good games coming out now, a year after all the consoles have been released. At the very beginning, what really matters is price. And Xbox One was $100 more expensive than a PS4. That alone turned a lot of gamers off. For sure. On top of which, it had requirements to always be connected to the internet. Not everybody has an internet connection. Not everybody well, wants to be connected all the time. Exactly. And it had the connect, which is always seeing when you were in the room. It was, it was a little 
1984, a little Orwellian uh, right. for some people. Um, and so last year, Microsoft lost. This year, it came back in a big way. Uh, it had a pretty impressive press conference. But I still like Sony overall. Sony had not only games, but it's expanding into uh, a, a new television device, PlayStation TV, uh, which could compete with Amazon Fire, for instance. Yeah, all those devices. Right. Uh, they've got a new streaming service called PlayStation Now, so you can play old games on your new system, which as a gamer, I, I'm pretty excited about. I get my old games on a brand spanking new console. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so Sony, I think, in the end, won E3. That's awesome. That's my take on it. But Microsoft had a pretty good one. I'm, I'm going to throw it out there. Do you play games, by the way? Um, no, I realized a number of years ago that my gaming days were over when I went over to a very good friend of mine. I'd known him for like 10 years at that time. Went over, played um, God, Halo 3. Classic. Was it? Oh, yeah. And I realized that my days were numbered when I had these 12-year-olds just yeah. destroying me. Yeah, they, they're pretty good. I could probably... You know, teach them a thing or two about, oh, I don't know, GoldenEye. Finance, at least. Yeah, well, finance, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. that's the important You guys want to learn about gap accounting? <laughs> 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 uh, kids these days. All right, uh, let's move on to our next headline. Why shares of DreamWorks Animation, Inc., fell. Now, yesterday, uh, sh shares of DreamWorks finished the day 11% down because of just a terrible uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, a terrible start for the new movie. Yeah, you... At first glance, mm. you, you might think that an 11% drop in a you know company stock price just because of a movie right. might be an overreaction. But the simple fact of the matter is, right now, mm -hmm. DreamWorks comes out with one, two, at most three movies a year. Not That's many. it. Yeah. That's literally it. Yeah. You know. Um, I did a segment yesterday where I talked about that might be in the process of changing. They actually now have a deal with Netflix to create 300 hours of original content. Mm send that over to Netflix, that's actually a lot of content. It's yeah. going to feature the popular characters that DreamWorks has, like mm -hmm. the Shreks and the uh, How to Train Your Dragons and all that. Right. So that might be changing, but it's still a few years out. So mm -hmm. until, I don't know, 2016, 17, 18, mm -hmm. DreamWorks shareholders are going to have to deal with the constant ups and downs of how these movies play out. Very true. And to your point, uh, DreamWorks, they only have one more upcoming movie. Do you know what it is? No. The Penguins of Madagascar. That's actually my favorite part of the Masquerade Mask movies. Oh, really? Movies. Yeah. Are you going to go Those see it? Those guys are hilarious. Oh, they're hilarious. Oh, wait, and who's the, the Lemur King monkey Ooh, guy? Oh, uh, I, I have He's got the crazy movies. voice. Everybody right, likes right. it. Yeah. yeah. I have little cousins. Anyway. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> have you seen How to Train Your Dragon 2? No. Yeah. You and me both. And yeah. clearly a lot of other people. Well, we're not the target demographic, and I'm sure in a few years when my son's a little bit older, we'll be like, Dad, I want to go see that and sure. everything. But um, at the end of the day, it's actually kind of surprising to me. How to Train Your Dragon 2 made more money in its first weekend, which was this past weekend, mm -hmm. than the first one. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So that tells you how high the expectations were. They were, were enormous. Right. Everybody was raving about, like, oh, this is a really great movie, all this stuff. It made more money than the first one in its opening weekend, but it missed expectations by 30 40%, and right. stock price falls 11%. Okay, so is the, is the drop from yesterday... Uh, is it far enough down that you see value in DreamWorks at this point? Or is it, I mean, the rest of the year, again, only the Penguins of Madagascar. Right. Where's DreamWorks going for the rest of this year? They... I don't want to talk... You know, bash DreamWorks anyway, shape or form. You can do that. Kinda, okay, bash no. Yeah. Um, they've always kind of been the little cousin, the little brother to Pixar. Mm. Pixar's really just, I mean, Disney bought them for a reason. Right. Um, that being said, so they're, stock fell 11%, you'd be like, oh, is there value here or whatever? But until that consistent cash flow from the original content going forward, which I actually think could be huge, mm. they actually could make actual consistent cash flow from these things. Um, I don't see any value. I mean, there's still a 20, 25 times earnings for something that's just this roller coaster ride. I, I, 
I mean, six, seven thousand publicly traded companies out there. I don't need to do this. Yeah, I'm going to choose Disney over DreamWorks for just sure. about any day of yeah. the week. All right. Uh, last but certainly not least, our final headline: What should investors watch for with Alibaba? Now, Alibaba is going to IPO, I believe, in August. That's the rumor. Right. They're not confirming it. And actually, um, yesterday or late last week, they had another updated IPO filing. Mm. They still didn't give a date. Yeah. So the rumors early August, but they're like, yeah, we may or may not. So. Yeah. Time will tell. <laughs> so what do we know about Alibaba? I, I'll be honest. I only really know that it's divided into two parts, Taobao and Tmall. Mm-hmm. Taobao is for the smaller merchants, at least that's my understanding. Like the eBay. It's like an eBay. That, that's exactly yeah. what a lot of people have uh, acquitted it to. And Tmall is for bigger branded merchandise. For sure. I, su- I suppose. And looking at their revenue numbers, my God, this they, is a cash monster. It's like the ultimate bookie enterprise or something. Nice. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. They had, okay, hold on. Fiscal year ended in March. This is pretty recent. Revenues of just 8.4 billion. Just. Profits of 3.7 billion. Jeez. That is the biggest profit. Like that's insane. That's huge. Bigger than Amazon. No, it's huge. They actually make more money mm-hmm. than uh, Amazon and eBay combined. Jeez. Jeez, Louise. So okay, the, I guess the question is then. Where does it stop for Alibaba? Does it ever stop? You've got, they're, they're catering to China, as well as a large part of the rest of the world, and the Chinese middle class is only growing. And they're the sure. ones who are buying from Tmall, those branded merchandise. Is there anything that stops Alibaba once it hits U.S. shores? Is it just going to take down Amazon? I don't think that's really their goal. I think that the world of e-commerce in 50 years mm. will be so big such that there's plenty of room for everybody to... Uh, you know, exist, coexist a little bit, okay. or at least have three to four major players like, mm. oh, I don't know, Amal with Macy's and JCPenney now. But um, they actually are starting to go kind of along the lines of a Priceline.com business model. Mm. For those, uh, for our viewers and listeners that don't know, Priceline doesn't just own Priceline.com. They own a portfolio of targeted travel websites for different demographics and reasons. Right. Kayak for younger people, Priceline for everybody, everything. Mm. They've got um, websites just for Europe. You know, um, so Alibaba, kind of along the lines of you know having a U.S. IPO, which they're not doing for this reason. I'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, they just came out with a U.S. website, 11main.com. Oh yeah. Um, I signed up. It's actually, if you go to it right now, it says our merchants are setting up shop, mm. so it's not open yet. But they are targeting the U.S. Will it take over? It takes time to ramp up. It took, um, you know, the Japanese automakers like Honda and everything. I mean couple decades right. to really get mainstream in the United States. So it's a long-term play, but um, uh, it'll eventually happen. They'll eventually be a player, but I don't think they'll take over and destroy Amazon overnight or anything like that. Okay. Alibaba, man. I just, I, their numbers, $177 billion. Well, that was the other funny thing. So did you see what Yahoo's shares did yesterday because they own a 22% stake in no, Alibaba? Yahoo's shares fall 6% because Alibaba's results in this filing for, you know, the updated filing for the IPO came out, and they only grew year-over-year year for the quarter 38%. Shucks. Slowing down. Darn it. Yeah. Well, they grew at, like, the 60%, the, you know, last year over 20, what would that have been, 12? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, slowing down, growing 38% for this huge enterprise. Right. So Tough. Um, yeah, Yahoo shares fell because that dampened expectations about how the IPO uh, IPO would price. So, Well, you bring up an excellent point. Yahoo, 22% in this giants. They are about to get a big check in the mail. Right. Well, what um, <laughs> IPO hits, what happens with Yahoo? And, I mean, you saw what they did with Tumblr. They're, they're, they're not afraid to spend money. After this IPO, they're going to have a lot more money in the bank. What's Yahoo going to do with all that? 
I would like to think that they will invest in new innovative things. That's essentially what they did by investing in Alibaba. Right. They saw an opportunity and they went for it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't put a ton of money into this. It just blew up enormously, like right. huge. So I would like to think that they'll invest in new innovative things and not just pay a big dividend or something like that. I wouldn't mind a big dividend, but you're well, right. Uh, yeah. Innovation is the name of the game for you sure. at this point, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, that's gonna do it for our headlines. Let's turn the page over to our 10K challenge. Now, for those of you who don't know, 10Ks are filings by companies that they put in with the SEC, and they tell us a lot about how a company is doing, how their finances look, and what we should know before we invest. JCPenney, is one of those companies. They filed a 10K back in May. Same store sales popped, but nothing else looked good. Let's go through JCPenney's most recent 10K. Sean, give us give us a breakdown, some, some important things we need to know. So, uh, what I did when preparing for this segment was I went through, and actually it's a really long filing, it's 108 pages, a little bit longer as 10Ks go, mm -hmm. and I looked for five things you may not know about JCPenney, mm -hmm. unless you read this and, I don't know, got really bored and all that. Anyway, <laughs> um, number one, did you know that in their, every annual report has a risks section? Uh, they actually go out of their way to tell you that their stock price is going to fluctuate a lot. Hmm. Is that unusual? Um, it is. Huh. Um, they generally, like, you can't imagine something like um, a Microsoft or a GE, they usually don't right. say something like that. But JCPenney's lawyers and their auditors said, you should probably come out and say that our stock price is going to be all over the place mm. because they don't know what's going to happen. Mm. The stock price took a huge hit late last year when they had that uh, public offering to raise cash, so right. it was like seven, eight hundred million dollars that they needed. <laughs> Um, they don't want to get another class action lawsuit because anytime a company does anything, if there's a little bit of a hiccup, somebody's going to sue them. I want to sue them. I just want to sue them because we're talking about them. Why not? There's money to be made. All right, what's back <laughs> number two? Um, I have a question for you. Which state does JCPenney have the most stores in? Ooh, interesting question. Uh, I'd go for a highly populated big state, perhaps California. That would be number two. Okay. The number one state is their home state of Texas. Okay. Their offices are in Plano, da 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 da. Right. Yeah. Um, Texas has 92 stores. Mm -hmm. And okay, you got to guess now the state with the least number of stores. Let's go small. Let's go Delaware. They have two. Oh, really? The number one state for fewest uh, JCPenney stores is Alaska. That they makes sense. Yeah. Oh, one. Really? Yeah. <laughs> one one JCPenney store in all of Alaska. Lonely little JCP way up north. Uh, womp womp, yeah. Sad. Okay, uh, and so uh, is that is that a common thing in 10Ks? Is everyone is every company going to list every, their brick and mortar locations? Yes. And how important is that? I mean, you're, you're like you said, we're we're not looking for stores up in Alaska. We want to see how many stores they have in the big states in for California sure. and Texas. Is that something you're looking at with your when you're reading a 10K? Well, and that's actually why I headed to that section when I was preparing for this segment because mm -hmm. I was like, I'm just curious if there is an opportunity. Like, if they only have 10 stores in California, right? They should open 30, like right. now. <laughs> if they had money, sure. Um, yeah. yeah, so, and looking at it, JCPenney's an age-old brand. They've had decades to open up stores in right. m decently populated areas, so I didn't see any surprises. Number of stores completely correlated with the population of a given state and everything, so hmm. not surprising at all. So you don't think there's no, there, there are no more JCPenney growth opportunities out there? No. Shocking. I am I'm so, really sorry about so that. So surprised by that. Okay, fun fact number three. Um, okay, how many warehouses and distribution centers does JCPenney have in order to stock all of their stores? Interesting. Um, let's go two per state. Let's go 100. They only need 25. Really? Yep. Why is that? How, how big are these centers? Um, they range from five to 10,000 square feet. 
Um, half of them are owned, half of them are leased. Hmm. So as they close stores, they actually only just close 3% of stores, so I can't imagine they'll close a lot of these. Right. The other interesting thing that was interesting to me was they kind of did an Amazon thing. They actually have a number of distribution centers just for jcpenny.com. Hmm. Okay. So that was kind of cool. Does that make sense for the company? Um, yeah. Okay. I think so. And what about uh, a lot of the companies? Like you look at Walmart, for instance. They don't have as many distribution centers as one would think for the biggest retailer in the world because they turn their stores into distribution centers. For sure. Is that an option for JCPenney, or is their their inventory, their product, clothing? Is that just not a possibility for them? Um, I would probably say that the size of their stores doesn't leave a lot of room to turn their stores into right. a distribution center. Not only that, but the argument could be made that as time goes on, they probably need to close some stores and possibly shrink some. Right. As the JCPenney.com does progressively a little bit better, because that's actually been one of the minor bright spots mm. in JCPenney's, you know, turnaround story. Yeah. Turnaround story in a lot of quotation marks. Okay, so, next fun fact. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, everybody knows last year was JCPenney's worst year in terms of profits. Right. They lost a disappointing $1.3888 billion. Oh, God. If you thought that was bad, are you ready? I'm ready. This is actually going to shock Lay it on me. Guess how bad their free cash flow was. Uh, let's go bad to quite bad. It was a... Oh, man. I was actually really shocked at this, because I actually would have assumed last year they would do better. Okay. Free cash flow last year was a negative $2.75 billion. Jesus. I, I didn't see the billion coming, but I a lot of time, A lot of times when you got a company that's losing money on a gap basis, mm -hmm. I've for 10 years now had this kind of not in a wink towards any gap numbers because accountants can have a field day with generally accepted accounting practices. Right. Free cash flow is the number and it's usually a little bit better than gap when you're losing this kind of money. Mm. Not the case here. <laughs> not so much. And by the way, since this is an educational segment, gap, what does that mean? That stands for generally accepted accounting practices mm -hmm. and it is the national, uh, it's not international mind you, although they are kind of moving in that direction, mm -hmm. but it's basically the rules that all accountants in the United States follow in order to create publicly file uh, public statements for right. companies. All right, and they can be pretty... You can have a field day. You can adjust that. You can change your amortization. You right. could write off something. You could you know, show a profit by booking an income tax gain. You're going to have a field day. So, so should, I, should I be looking at non-GAAP numbers then, or are GAAP numbers acceptable? I, yeah, I look, and like, this goes back 80, 90 years to like Ben Graham's first security analysis book. Mm -hmm. He didn't take net income seriously. He's like, he actually said to Warren Buffett one time, just show me the balance sheet. Because the balance sheet can't lie. Nice. Cash, yeah. you cannot lie about cash in the bank. You cannot lie about the number of buildings you own. Right. The net income statement changes in the value of that building can flow to the net income. You can have right. a field day. Okay, you know? fair enough. Good. So, I'm learning. This is nice. Yeah, I'm going mean, to so, start paying attention to the balance sheet then. Um, and that's one of the reasons that Amazon has gotten the valuation that it does, even though it doesn't show. I mean, their gap numbers are, I mean, what did they make, like yeah. 80 cents last year? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, not yeah. even. Little. Um, but their cash flow is awesome. Mm -hmm. And they keep throwing that cash flow in operations, just building, 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 building. And that's one of the reasons that Wall Street gives Amazon so much credibility, even though it was kind of rocked earlier this year right. with, you know, slowing cash flow growth. But regardless, if any of our listeners are wondering why Amazon has a PE that's astronomically high, it's mm -hmm. because of the cash flow. Good to know. All right, so give me the final fun fact. What should we know? Um, everybody knows that they've had a little bit of, you know, a couple of CEO changes last couple of years. Ullman retired. Johnson came in, destroyed the company. Yeah. Ullman came out of retirement to save his beloved JCPenney. Uh, what most people don't know is that in 2011, and this is still in the most recent 10K, mind you, they still have it in here, 
during 2011, JCPenney incurred transition charges of $53 million for Mr. Johnson and $29 million for Mr. Ullman in that year alone. Good. Good. Awesome. That's what everyone what wants that? to see. Spending uh, 80, $82 million in one year to change CEOs. Spending $53 million on a CEO who's just going to end up as a flop. Great. You can buy a pretty decent-sized island with $53 million. <laughs> I don't think I'd buy an island first. I, I would be willing to destroy <laughs> yeah. a retailer for $53 million. Oh, yeah, happily, especially JCPenney. <laughs> uh, okay, so for, for, the, for the CEO payment scale, uh, how is that egregious? Is that okay? Uh, how much does the CEO of JCPenney... Uh, $53 million. Too much, too little. I think it's too much for a guy that destroyed the brand. Right. Given what Ullman has done since he came back, mm. I'm willing to bet 99.9% of current JCPenney shareholders would be more than happy to give that guy 20, 50, give 100 million dollars to, I mean, he, they still got a long road ahead of him, but he did engineer some same store sales gains, True. all that stuff, so. True. Um, actually, one of the more surprising things that came out of the most recent Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting was how in favor Buffett was of paying a guy really, really well if he's doing a great job. And his point was one person can have, can have that big of a effect on an organization. Right. And Ullman, I mean... He's, he's, he's helping out. It's, it's, he's writing the ship. I don't know if the there's ship not too many. Sinking. There's not too many people out there that could do a better job. <laughs> Fair. And that brings us to the final lemons question. Lemons out of lemonade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, big lemons. Uh, J.C. Penney, do you believe in the turnaround? I've done a lot of reflecting on this. Hmm. Meditation. They, meditation. Yes. I, I went and I, I got my Zen going. And I was like, will JCPenney survive? <laughs> um, they have engineered a little bit of a sales rebound. Mm -hmm. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, 6% same-store sales growth. The problem with that is, if they were to do that for four years, mm -hmm. so this goes in, okay, what year is it, 2014, 2017, 2018, they would get back to where they were 2010. Which wasn't great, to no. be frank. Their returns on equity were average at best. It was 10%. Mm -hmm. They were just another retailer. Can they get back there? Absolutely. Hmm. What will that mean in 20 years? They're still playing catch-up. Macy's is generating these huge technologically advanced fulfillment centers that rival Amazon's. Right. JCPenney's They're playing catching up. Struggling yeah. along, limping along these days. So... Yeah. Well, thank you for breaking that down for us. I actually learned a lot there. And uh, nice. I hope our viewers did, too. You learned a little bit about gap accounting. Learned a little some, bit. Uh, pay attention to the balance sheet, CEO compensation. My gosh. Educate, amuse, and enrich. Okay. Uh, let's move on to today's mailbag. Our question today comes from Mike F. And he asks, Rite Aid has been an awesome turnaround play until recently, with shares pulling back over the last few days, is now the right time to get out. I like that he spelled right. That's like right It's it's That's it's cute. so witty. Uh -huh. Oh man. Shakespeare would be proud. <laughs> yeah, the wordplay. Just a wordsmith, that Mike F. Uh, he, he's right. Rite Aid has been down recently. Uh, not looking so hot. At least not as hot 50 as fifty cents a dollar. Right. Uh, yeah. Not not terrible. Not great when your stock price is already under ten dollars. It's it's it's. I don't know. Thoughts on Rite Aid? Start they. There. I've been doing. Tons of you know research on writing because we've actually been talking a lot about this very question. Mm. Um, their re rebound has been like huge. Right. Like this retailer, JCPenney can only dream of this. Um, they late 2012, actually December 2012, their stock was a buck. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's seven. Yeah. Not. 
bad in a year and a half. Not too shabby. They benefited from a couple of uh, secular macular, uh, macro trends, namely um, the Affordable Care Act, which of course made more people able to afford prescription drugs. Right. And also a, this wasn't a huge deal, but also helped a wave of, um, uh, what do you call it? Drugs that were uh, owned by the over the counter. Yeah, a yeah. bunch of drugs, very popular drugs, became over the counter. Right, they, they, they all the patents, patents expired. Patents That's expired. what I was going for. Right. Sorry, <laughs> this is consumer goods, not healthcare. It's okay. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, so they benefit from those two things. They cut costs. The ironic thing was, over the last four or five years, when it was really a profits margins that kind of problem because the revenues have stayed at about $25 billion the whole time. Mm. So if they could just cut their costs and get their act together, they were going to bounce back and they did. Right. I think the party's over now. <laughs> why? Well, why have they hit such a wall? You Okay, so you look at the returns on capital of them versus Walgreens and uh, CVS and mm. you have to do this because you can't look at return on equity because their balance sheet is still terrible. Right. They have a negative book value of $2 billion. Right. So they owe $2 billion to the people that they have to pay back before their shareholders have any stake in a liquidation or something like that. Not that it's going to happen, but yeah. point being, Walgreens, like their balance sheet is pristine. Tons of equity, little debt. It's mm. awesome. Right. Um, because of the turnaround in the operations and the cost cutting, the equity got repriced within the entire capital structure, leading to, oh, say, I don't know, a 700% gain in the equity within the capital structure. Mm -hmm. The party's over now. <laughs> Harsh. Harsh but fair. I, I think if you bought Rite Aid right now, you'd probably match the market's returns for 10 years. Okay. You're not going to multiply your money sevenfold from here. I'm right. sorry. Right. <laughs> Party's over. Okay, so then that begs the question, are you okay with buying Rite Aid right now? Or are you, are, are, do you miss, that, you miss that $1 to $7 jump? Right. Why would you get in now for a $7 to $7.50? Let's, okay, let's pretend you got a three-way race between world's greatest runner from the Olympics. Sure. You say The Bolt? number two guy in the Olympics, and that's CVS and Walgreens, mm -hmm. and then the world's fastest high school runners. <laughs> you know, like, um, no, go with the analogy. Yeah, I like no, it so this far. Is fine. Yeah, yeah. The high school guy stumbled. Mm -hmm. He literally tripped and fell on like a tree root or something. <laughs> he got back up, and he's kind of where the other guys are. Mm -hmm. But now you put your money on the Olympic runner. Right. You're still you not betting up. on the younger guy. Okay. okay. No, he got Good. up and he stopped stumbling, but Good analogy. Oh my God. This is this is so this educational. Is no, You're helping like the world invest better. <laughs> Clearly, your your meditations have really helped. Uh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah, I need to I need to start trying that. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it for our mailbag. Let's turn now to some awesome tweets. Do you have another cat in a hoodie? I don't have another cat in a hoodie. I was really hoping you <laughs> I looked, all right? I'm always looking. But our first one comes from Aisha Taylor, who said I could only be happier with Apple's HomeKit voice recognition if I could make Benedict Cumberbatch the voice of Siri. Benedict Cumberbatch, voice Now, like is this Khan Benedict or is it Sherlock Holmes Benedict? <laughs> I, would, I would think Sherlock Holmes uh, simply because that British accent, oh, man. Loving it. Crushing it. Have you, do you ever watch uh, Jimmy Kimmel, by the way? No. He what had, did he do? He had Benedict Cumberbatch and R. Kelly on a couple of months ago. R. Kelly was the musical guest. He was releasing his new album, Black Panties. Just a classic. Uh, and he had Benedict Cumberbatch read some lyrics, lyrics? From, and my the people I will be went crazy this in you about should. 5 minutes I, I highly recommend it I, whenever i feel down i just go to benedict cumberbatch reading rap lyrics there's nothing better 
Anyway, uh, tweet I'm number two. Unfortunately, this takes it down uh, a little bit. Uh, Tony Gwynn had 149 plate appearances against Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox and never struck out. Tony Gwynn, for those of you who don't follow sports, one of the greatest baseball players of all time. Uh, died yesterday, I believe it was, from, I think it was salivary gland cancer. Too much chewing tobacco. Really sad. Really sad. 54 years old. That's just... That's real sad. And I, we, the reason I brought this up is because we, all of us were talking about it yesterday and just yeah. remembering watching Tony Gwynn and how good he was at baseball. Like, my God, Greg Maddox is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. You look at his stats, they're out of this world, and he never managed to, to strike Tony Gwynn out. That's incredible. I just, it just blows my mind. You're a baseball guy. I'm sure you can appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's huge. Yeah. Um, he's probably in my top five players. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. <laughs> Any top five players. All right, and last but certainly not least, let's finish the way we began, talking about U.S. men's national soccer. Uh, yesterday, U.S. men's national team had two incredible World Cup firsts. First sub to ever score a goal, that was John Brooks, and the fastest goal scored by fastest Clint Dempsey. Fastest goal scored. One minute in. That's pretty rocket. When they scored one minute in, I just people went crazy. It was it was great, and then it was all Ghana for like eighty eight minutes, and then that Brooks came. That happens in. a lot. You got this adrenaline, and then it dies. Right. There was this a uh, couple of years ago. Uh, born and bred in Ohio, Ohio State was playing Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, shoot, what was the quarterback's name? Anyway, <laughs> ran touchdown in the first play. Nice. Lost the game Ugh. horribly. Never did anything. Well, thankfully, so we I'm always suspicious whenever a team rocks it in the first minute. Right. Anyway, well, hey, we rocked it in the last we minute did. too, and, and that's what, what matters. This? We avenged a loss last year. Uh, two. So the last two World Cups, Ghana has kicked us out. They've been the team that knocked USA, us out. USA, USA. USA. Okay, that's it for us. Uh, for Sean O'Reilly, I'm Mark Reith. That's it for this edition of the Consumer Goods Edition of Where the Money Is. If you'd like to participate, send us an email at cg@fool.com or hit us up on Twitter. And we will see you next week.